0: Today we have the gift of reading some from the Passion of Jesus, which we don't often get to do outside of Holy Week. Holy Week is when we um, read on Good Friday or or Palm Sunday the entire Passion story. But throughout the year, we don't really get much of a chance to read these, especially the um, different scenes within the suffering and death of Jesus that are so fraught with meaning and um, beauty, even if tragedy and sadness. This uh, is chosen today, uh, this passage from Luke, because we celebrate today the Feast of Christ the King. And of course, we all know that on, above the cross, Pontius Pilate chose to put, this is the King of the Jews, um, in four languages. Um, I-N-R-I is what we often put as an abbreviation above the crucifixes we, we hang in our homes or on our necks. Jesus Nazarenus Rex Iudaeorum is what it stands for, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Um, This was his condemnation. This was his crime for having put himself as the king of the Jews, but also it's just simply a statement as well. This is the king of the Jews, and he's on the cross. He is a condemned criminal. Um, And so we see in in the tension in that that image, what we hold up as Christians is the, the symbol of our glory and God's love for us is this crucified man who is our king. And today we not only celebrate him as the King of the Jews, but um, as you might have heard in the collect or even maybe in your missals, the, fe- the feast name today, the solemnity, solemnity, is called the Feast of Christ, the King of the Universe. Not just the King of the Jews, but the King of the Universe. Not even just the King of the nations or of Earth, but of the whole universe. And that word is very interesting. Um, I just heard um, Bishop Barron on a podcast this past week uh, Well, I listened this past week. It was months ago, I'm sure. But uh, talking about the the word universe, which we use in in science, you know, to describe all of the galaxies. And a few weeks ago, I, I had you meditate on the universe, which is 13 billion light years wide and full of hundreds of billions of galaxies. And each galaxy has hundreds of billions of stars. That's what we usually think of when we hear the word universe. But the word itself, universum, comes from the Latin turning on the one like revolving around one. Una is one. Verse, versus, is like it goes around. The idea, even latent in the word universe, is this idea that it revolves around one. In other words, there's a unity to everything that exists. It's not just chaos, it's cosmos, which is the Greek word for for the universe. The cosmos is the order of all things. Chaos is the opposite. It's where everything's disordered. Everything does not revolve around one, but there's a million different centers or fulcrums of the universe but the universe when we say that word we acknowledge the universe's intelligibility that the universe is is ordered and not only ordered but like beautiful even good even generous you know the universe has this order to it of course we experience chaos as well we we experience the universe as a a pretty dangerous place sometimes Um, even our little earth is often dangerous even our little city there's always this, this um, balance between, or this fight between chaos and cosmos. Just yesterday I was driving on North Avenue, running some errands and I was going west and I noticed the traffic going east, the two lanes going east um, were completely jammed up. But the two lanes going west were wide open so I got to drive quickly and I, I just could see all these people, I was driving by them going the opposite direction, completely stuck, stuck in traffic. And I was just amazed at the power of the lines. Have you ever thought about that? The power of this double yellow line, that all of these people are just staying in their lane, even though there's all this open pavement, that now I get to ride freely because they're all obeying the rules. <laughs> and I count on them to obey the rules. I, don't, I know that none of them are gonna pull out into my lane and run into me head on. We all kind of just trust that, don't we? Um, but there is this sense, I don't know about you, but this sense that that doesn't have to be that, all of a sudden, all those people could just decide to get in my lane, and then all of a sudden i 'd be jammed in traffic, and the whole city would devolve into chaos because we 're not driving in the lines, but that could happen the fact that it doesn 't is kind of a miracle. Just this past few months i 've been noticing uh, on the sidewalks torn open pieces of mail that are like sent into the city uh, treasurer, um, like parking tickets and things like that. people are pulling mail out of the mailboxes, whatever, with a coat hanger or something, and just opening anything they think looks like it has money in it, Christmas cards, birthday cards, and I've been no- just noticing this every once in a while, and it makes me really angry and sad that our postal system is something, it is kind of miraculous, that we can just put a little stamp onto a piece of paper and put it in the, in the mail at, with an address anywhere in the U.S., and it'll go there. We trust that it'll get there, that somebody's not going to reach in with a with a hook and try to steel and and just whatever it doesn't matter to me it's no, there's no money in it just throw it on the side of the road that sort of feeling of like yeah everything could just devolve into chaos because of uh, us basically i look up at the cosmos the universe and there's an order and a beauty i look up at the stars and they're just moving in their courses the sun goes around well the earth goes around the sun but it looks like the sun's going around the earth and it just kind of has its schedule and the seasons and the the order of everything, but there's also this chaos just bubbling underneath the surface. And I, I noticed that it's, it's in my heart um, that it doesn't have to be this way. And I can choose to make it chaotic, I can choose not to obey the order of the universe. But we as Christians, this is the Christian revelation, um, it's the Jewish revelation in, in creation in Genesis, but it's fulfilled in Jesus that God is a father, God is a king. A benevolent, beneficent king, one who loves us and provides for us. And he creates everything that exists out of love so as to provide for our needs. Which is why we experience the universe. Sometimes you hear people who don't believe in God, but they believe in the universe. You ever heard that? Like the universe can be very generous or just threw out my desire to the universe and it answered. We experience the universe as generous because God who created the universe is generous. Not because the universe cares about you. The universe is a big, empty, black place. Full of mostly nothing. But God, who has created you, you're like a universe in and of yourself that He just loves and, and wants to care for. That's a worldview. We don't have to see the world that way, and that's important to notice. It's a choice that we believe that God is good, that He's created us for a purpose. Um, I read this poem a week or two ago from Wendell Berry, who's one of my favorite authors. And uh, he's not a Catholic, but he describes reality, experiences reality in a very Catholic Christian way. And this poem, it just really struck me. It's very powerful. It's called The Future. He says, For God's sake, be done with this jabber of a better world. What blasphemy! No futuristic twit or child thereof ever in embodied light will see a better world than this, though they foretell inevitably a worse. Do something! Go cut the weeds beside the oblivious road. Pick up the cans and bottles, old tires and dead predictions. No future can be stuffed into this presence except by being dead. The day is clear and bright, and overhead the sun not yet half finished with his daily praise. Maybe you weren't listening, maybe you're not into poetry, but what what I imagined when I read that poem was something I saw in a movie trailer years ago for a movie about Jesus. And I think it was called Son of God. And I never saw the movie, but I did see the trailer. And in the trailer, there's a there's a moment after Jesus calls Peter from the Sea of Galilee after the miraculous catch of fish, and Peter is so in awe of Jesus, and Pe- and Jesus says, "Come and follow me," and Peter goes. And this is not in the gospel, which is probably why I didn't see the movie, because they showed this in the movie in the trailer. Peter says, "Where are we going?" And Jesus puts out his hand, and he goes to change the world. <laughs> and I just cringed. I was like, Jesus would never say that. Jesus created the world. He made the world a beautiful place, a wonderful place. And he did not come to destroy it and make a new one. He came to redeem and restore the world. You know, when I... When I saw that trailer, I pictured like a vision of Jesus as like a politician. You know, and he was calling his, his apostles to him so he could send them out to Capernaum to do a fundraiser, and to Cana to do a meet and greet. And they were going to say, vote for Jesus. He's going to change the world. You know, it's like a slogan. It's so meaningless. But Jesus did not come to change the world. He came to restore and redeem the world. He came to restore and redeem me and you In the world, so that we could be like the stars and obey the king of the universe, to live beautiful lives, to be good as we were made to be good. That's what it means to obey the king, to serve the king, to be like the universe, to revolve around the one, and so be beautiful, so be ordered, so be good. But, lest we think that we're just on our own, we're these chaotic, sinning creatures that ruin the perfect order of the universe and that that makes God somehow upset and he's, he's standing up there waiting for us to get our stuff together. The king has come not just so that we could serve him, which is our glory, which would be the best thing for us, is to serve the king. But he's not come just to say, you should be serving me, please do so. He came to serve us. Isn't that amazing? The king of the universe has come to be our servant, to wash our feet, to die for our sins. His throne is a cross. We should never stop being astounded by that. But the one around whom the whole universe revolves has come to be a little child, to be held in the arms of a virgin, to become food for the world, to give us life again to restore and redeem us. It says in Colossians, He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. That's what we celebrate in this feast day, the solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe, is that the King is on the cross, his throne, and he's coming down on this altar to feed us, to serve us, so that we can serve him with our whole lives, so we can be drawn into this mystery of order, of cosmos, of self-giving love, and so be fully alive and fully joyful in him.